Gospel of John, chapter number 5. Who's glad to be in church? Yeah. Who needs to be reminded you can be in worse places? Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> All right. It is uh, very true. It's a blessing to be here this morning. And it's just, uh, uh, it's good to have a week, some time away as a pastor. It kind of resets you. And honestly, what it does for me is it reminds me how blessed I am to pastor this church. And I love it. And uh, I miss it when I'm away. And yesterday we had a basketball tournament. Uh, <clears throat> we did. I'm not going to mention who won. I'm not going to d- do that. Um, I, I, I am going to say I did not get injured, and I'm also going to point out that Lenny was not there. So that, that could be a coincidence, or, or it may just point to what I've been saying this whole entire time. I don't know. Uh, but uh, Lenny, it's good to have you in church, buddy. Uh, for those that uh, think of it, if you've got Leonard Lovato Jr.'s number, uh, today is his birthday, and I... I think he'd really appreciate it. I think the, some of the, I think my daughter, do- I don't know who it was, but someone made him a cake down there and sang him happy birthday and all that good stuff. And I uh, got to sing to him yesterday in Spanish. He's like, you're crazy, Pastor. Uh, but uh, anyways, it's, uh, it's a blessing to see some of our young people uh, go off to Bible school and see what God is doing in their lives. Uh, Carlos, as I understand, has become the resident barber uh, at PBI. And so I get pictures all the time of people getting their head, you know, you know, stuff carved in their hair all the time from Carlos. Uh, but uh, I, I want to say this about Sunday school. Uh, I, I want to say, first off, I appreciate you guys uh, desiring to be here for Sunday school. Uh, there's, no, there's no mandatory attendance policy here. Uh, and a lot of churches have done away with Sunday school. Uh, and the reason they've done away with it is because people aren't coming. And I'm looking around at a full building this morning, and the kids are all still downstairs. And that's a blessing, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'll also say this. Um, I was talking to an older preacher, and uh, one that's very well reputed uh, yesterday, and just talking about the fact that, uh, you know, uh, people kind of are attracted to the sensational, uh, especially as it relates to things online. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, If you... uh, if you do a message on bitterness, right, uh, a lot of people may not really tune into that. You do a message on uh, the deeps, you know, how there's water in outer space, there's a body of water out there. How many of you guys know that? And, uh, uh, and uh, there's the, uh, the constellation Alpha Draconis, which points to the northern star, which is also a dragon, and there's a dragon that's going to chase us while we go. I could go on and on about all that funky, crazy deep stuff in the Bible. It's in there. Uh, and you do that, and everyone tunes in. You say, why? People are kind of drawn to the sensational. And let me just say that one of the goals, uh, I want to be very specific about this. Uh, we're intentional here at New Heights Baptist Church. I'm, and I don't shy away from those things. We go through them at the same time. Let me tell you, so much of the Bible, do you know what it's about? Getting up early. Yeah. Reading your Bible. <laughs> going to church. Paying your bills. Going to work. Being honest. I mean, look at Paul's writings. You know what Paul spends a lot of time talking about? Hey, act right. <laughs> right? I mean, that's a lot of his writings is about just Christian, Christian character, if you will. So, so this morning, we're going to get into some of that. Look at John chapter 5. John chapter 5. And look, if you would, at verse number 8. John chapter 5, verse number 8. Jesus says to him, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Aren't you glad for a Savior that can tell you to get up when he's got the power to tell you to get up and you can do it? Uh, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked 
Then on the same day was the Sabbath. We're going to talk about the Sabbath, and, and uh, there's a lot of questions, I think, for a lot of people surrounding that subject. Uh, anybody here ever heard of Seventh-day Adventists? Yeah. All right, so uh, th- that's one group in particular, probably the, be- the best-known group. There's also folks that would uh, say they are messianic Jews, which basically means they're not uh, physically of the nation of Israel, but they hold to the, to, to the feasts and the traditions, things of that, of, of the Old Testament uh, nation of Israel. Uh, and some of those folks would also say, and I know some of them personally, and they shut down Friday night, and they don't pick back up until Saturday night. They observe the Sabbath. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, but we're, we're going to get into all that. I'm going to say this. If you want to do that, knock yourself out. I don't have a problem with that. There's no, there's no biblical uh, commandment to not do it. Uh, the problem becomes when you see that as your righteousness. I'm righteous because I observe a certain day. Like, that's not how that works, right? Uh, having said that, let's look at verse 10. The Jews, therefore, said unto him that was cured, it is the Sabbath day. I love it when people point out Captain Obvious, right? Yeah. Like, like, remember that time when the, the disciples are with the Lord Jesus, and uh, he's like, hey, uh, let's, give, let's, let's feed the people. And they're like, well, we don't have enough. And you know what they said? This is a desert place, and the time is far past, a.k.a. Uh, do you know what time it is? You know where we're at, Lord? And the Lord's like, uh, yeah, I made this place, right? Uh, so, so we do that sometimes with the Lord. Lord, do you not know? And it's like, think about that before you say it. Uh, he knows, he knows. Uh, look at verse 11. He answered them, he that made me whole, the same said unto me, take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, what man is that which said unto thee, take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed Wist not, that's an old way of saying he didn't know, wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the, in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, watch this, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And let me just point out, this man really didn't understand who it was that had healed him. And you know what that man needed? Now listen carefully. Notice the word in verse 14. What's the first word in verse 14? Absolutely. The Lord doesn't reveal everything to you right in the middle of the situation. Sometimes you've got to wait until afterward to have a personal encounter with the Lord in order for things to make sense out of life. Amen. Amen. And we're going to talk about that. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Uh, Brother Joe, good to see you, Brother. If you would, your thumb doing okay? Yeah? All right. All right. Break it on his nose or something like that? Yeah. All right, brother, if you'd open us up in a word of prayer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Amen. Now, let me, let me say this uh, in regards to one of the things that Paul says over in Galatians. And when he's talking about giving, uh, he, he calls it communication. Now, we're not talking about giving this morning, but, but I, I just want to point out that what Paul says is there's, there's the giving aspect and then there's the receiving aspect. And he calls that communication. He says this, when, and, uh, at the beginning of the gospel, no church communicated with me except ye. 
In other words, there, there was only one group of people that gave to me. Now, what that, what that means is there was the giving side. Paul was on the receiving end. So communication requires that, right? Uh, any married people in here want to say amen to that? There's the giving side and there's the receiving side. And the giving side, ladies, come on, there's, there's, there's you right there. And the guys, you better be, you know, be able to receive it and then give it back. And that's communication. Well, let, let me just say this as it relates to your walk with God. The Lord is going to tell you all kinds of things. The question is how you respond to it. And, and let me just say this much, uh, that, that command, look if you would at verse number 8, uh, where he says, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, verse number 8, where he says, rise, take up thy bed and walk. You know what that is? That's a command that shows authority. And the, the Bible says that Jesus Christ uh, did not speak like the Pharisees. What made him different? I'll tell you what made him different. He spoke as one that had what? authority. Why? Because what he spoke were the words of God. It wasn't just uh, his own thoughts or his own ideas. Now look, he is literally, the Bible calls him the capital W, word of God. He is the word incarnate, but he had a choice. When he came into this human flesh, he had a choice to submit himself to the Father's will and speak the words that reflect truth from, the, from God or to say something of his own self. And you know what he did? It is written, it is written, it is written. So you know what that gave him? That gave him authority. And so he gets up and he says, rise, take up thy bed and walk. Now, now listen, there's two sides to this. There's the authority side. In other words, if someone tells you, be healed, okay, and, and they don't have the authority to heal you, are you with me right now? All right, it's not going to do you any good. All right, so there's, there's that aspect, but there's another side to this. And the side of this that I want to talk about for a moment is the obedience aspect. So let me ask you a question. Let's say that you, this man goes to the Lord. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number uh, 9. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. Now, now the Lord told him to rise up, take up your bed and walk. Now, there's a lot of things in there, all right? Uh, number one, the man had to listen to what God said. Uh, number two, he had to obey. Look, at a certain point, you just have to do what God says. You can't keep factoring, what about this and what about that? And I've never walked before. It's been years since I walked or uh, everyone else told me to walk before and they didn't do it and I, it, could, it didn't work before. Oh, why should I believe this guy? You could go on and on with all the reasons why that man could have said, I'm not sure that I can get up. You know what he had to do? He had to exercise faith and do what God said. If you want healing in your life from all the baggage of your past, can I get a witness? Because you know what? If you're saved, I don't care if you got saved when you're five, you know what's going to happen? Listen, then we got kids in our church, they get saved when they're real little, and we go, praise God that, that God rescued them from all that. But let's be honest, we got enough of us in here that got saved when we were young to know you pick up baggage along the way. And you need God's help when he says, rise up, take up thy bed, and walk. At a certain point, you just got to do it. You can't keep thinking about it and wondering, what about that person? What are they thinking? What if I trip or what if I do this? You just have to do it. You say, what is that? That's called obedience. You go, well, pastor, I know that. Correct, you know it. How are you doing with it? And, and see, therein lies the issue. Well, there's so much we know about the Bible, and yet when God says do this, it's like, all right, well, Lord, what about this? I love when I'm talking with one of the kids, any, any parents know what I'm talking about, you tell them to do something, they go, well, they aren't doing that. It's like, well, we're not talking about them, all right? And don't you start telling me your pronouns are they, them either, all right? We're not talking about them, we're talking about you. Well, how come they're not? Don't worry about them right now. It's kind of like the, the story in the Gospels where, I, by the way, I love, I love the Gospel of John 
because John throws Peter under the bus so many times. <laughs> so many times. They must have had a great relationship. Uh, because, I mean, think about this. No other gospel records the fact that the Lord is talking to, uh, to John about how he's going to end up. And, 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 and then Peter gets it, you know, hey, what about, what about, what about, uh, what about him? What about him? Uh, don't worry about him. Worry about you. <laughs> the Lord's talking to Peter about what's going on in his life. And all of a sudden, Peter's like, well, what about him? Well, that's not, that is not your concern. You have to learn to say, hey, the Lord's talking to me. I'm not going to embarrass the individual, but someone shared with me a great testimony uh, uh, before church and was just talking about something the Lord showed them personally. And you know what they, they, you know what they said? I just had to do what God said. Amen. And that's what works. And so this man is told to rise, take up his bed, and walk. John chapter 5, verse number 8. Uh, look at me, with me, if you would, at Luke chapter number 5. Luke chapter 5. That, 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 uh, when the Lord said, rise up. All right, that, that is a, 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 an expression of authority. He didn't do that uh, outside of being under the authority of his father. Now, you had to get a hold of that. You'll have no authority in your life to walk with. You'll have no power in your life if you're not submitted to the right authority. And uh, we live in a day and age where people don't like authority. Uh, kids don't want to be told what to do by their parents. Uh, and, and, and listen, I understand, I, let me, let me, I, the day and age in which we live, you have to, to kind of give these uh, uh, outliers, so let me just say this, ladies, I realize there are men that abuse their authority, I get that, and I'm not for that, and if you stick around long enough, you'll know that's not what we teach or preach here. At the same time, the, the general uh, SOPs, the guidelines is this, uh, dad is, is, is to lead that home, and, and you know, we live in a, amen, 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 amen. Like three people said amen. They were real quiet and looked around before they said it. <laughs> That's where we're at in 2023. Come on, guys. It is. It is. And, and yet the Bible says, wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. Now, let me just say this much. If your husband asks you to do something against God, guess what, ladies? You got a, you got a hard decision to make. You know why? It says as unto the Lord. Now, listen. If your husband wants to go to Chick-fil-A and you want to go to like Kale Juice Express or whatever, He's not against the Lord, okay? All right, that's not where you pull that, all right? But you, I'm doing that for my wife because my wife's like, oh, no, we need to be organic and holy. We got organic cleaners now. I'm like, babe, I don't care if the, I want something that's going to kill everything and maybe me as well, amen? I, I mean, I want Clorox. I want Fabuloso. Can I get a witness for Fabuloso? <laughs> I got the Hispanic section, amen, in me. That's good, all right? But, but, but let, me, let, me just, let me just say this much. In, in regards to the, the, the world in which we live, authority is a problem. Uh, you got young people. Honestly, they, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Every once in a while, something will float around the Internet that I enjoy. And it's a young person mouthing off. I saw one recently. Some young man in Australia was mouthing off to an old man and two men. Now, this is, what, this is the problem in Western society. There's not enough men that will do this. Two men got up, pushed the kid down, and said, you shut your mouth. Now, you know why that kid did that? Because he didn't get it at home. You, 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 it starts in the home, but the idea is this. Authority is necessary. When you don't have authority and you don't have structure, you have chaos. You need to understand the first person to, uh, in, to, to cause an insurrection, the first being, if you will, to push the idea and agenda of rebellion is who? It's the devil himself. And I think about this, when the devil gets to rule the world, the Antichrist, 2 Thessalonians 2, Revelation 13, uh, the beast and all that stuff, when he gets to do that, is he going to be an absolute dictator? The answer is yes. You see, people who can't follow authority, when they get authority, they're dictators. 
So, so, so let me just say this much. Uh, for all of our young people, make sure you submit to authority the right way. Not just young people, all of us. You get pulled over by a policeman. What, you got to meet your quota this month? <laughs> Should I get you a donut? Something stupid like that. Uh, honestly, you know what your problem is? You're speeding. You're breaking the law. Now, don't look at me like, oh, pastor, how dare you? I've done it. I do it more than I should. I, I, I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not making light of it. I'm just saying, it, but the reality is this. If you do get pulled over, don't mouth off. You say, why? You're a Christian. You represent that book. You re- represent Jesus Christ. And, and you know what you ought to be, be able to do? To shut your mouth and submit to authority. All right? Now, until that authority tells you don't do For example, let's go back about three years. Boy, do we not miss the days of no toilet paper and not being able to go to church? Ugh. No, thank you. Who wants to revisit that? Uh, but I'll tell you this right now. Uh, there came a point where it's like, well, you can't go to church. Well, you do what you need to do. We're going to have church. And, and, and we're not going to judge you for not coming. But we're going to have church. You say, why? Because when a pastor sees his flock suffering and knows what the biblical command is, at a certain point, you got to do what you got to do. Now, all that said, I'm not going to get involved with what other churches did and were they right, were they wrong. I'm talking about right here because I'm supposed to submit to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the Spirit of God says, do something, you do it. The whole, the whole point is this. You submit to an authority until which time that authority goes against God. And when they go against God, you've got to part ways. Uh, but the reason Jesus Christ could do that, get a hold of this, you go, oh, because he's Jesus. What made him Jesus? What, what made Jesus Jesus? You've got to ask yourself that. Oh, well, he's the son of God. Question, could he not have sinned? Yeah. 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 Uh, it, you, you say, oh, no, he couldn't have sinned. No, no, that would have, been, that would have made the temptation pointless. Right, right. The Bible says in Hebrews he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He wasn't sinless simply because he was Jesus. He was sinless because he chose to be sinless, to to submit to the Father's will. You get a hold of that. That, That's important because as he submitted to the Father's will, that's what gave him power to finish the work that God called him to do. That's why we're here right now, because he said, not my will, but thine be done. And so because of that, he was given authority to express healing power while on this earth. Look at Luke chapter 5, and uh, look at verse number 18. Luke chapter 5, verse 18. Now, this is a story about a, a man that uh, needed healing. And his friends uh, saw, or it doesn't say that they're necessarily his friends, but they're men that were there. I would call them friends. I would say this. If anyone is willing to take you and pick you up on a stretcher and uh, get you to Jesus Christ, that's a friend. You may not always even like them. You may not always like the way they do it. You may not always like what they say, but that's a friend. Uh, Luke chapter 5, and I'll say it like this. Uh, a lot of times, a, a preacher's your friend until he says something you don't like. I know this very well, all right? It, it, oh, Pastor, I love you. You're, y'all, this is the best church. I'll never, never leave this church. Two months later, they're gone, Right? You say, why? I hit on one thing they didn't like. Well, I don't agree. Okay, but, but is it biblical? Is it biblical? <laughs> and, and so you, you know what happens here. These men take this man. Look at verse 18. Behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in, and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went home because it was too hard. Yeah. <laughs> There's no room in the church. I'm just going to leave. Right? 
Look what they did. They went up upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. I, I love this. When he saw their faith. Now, faith healers will say this. Uh, we couldn't heal that person because they didn't have enough faith. You ever heard that before? I have. And, uh, and my thing is this. Look, if you have the power and the ability to heal people, go to the hospitals. Uh, don't, don't, don't have a meeting where thousands of people come. You take up all this money. Just, just go to the hospitals and start laying hands on people. Uh, Jesus walked through the middle of the street and on his way to preach. As he's doing that, he just deals with people where they're at and heals them. He doesn't have to have a special meeting, put up a tent and ask for an offering. He never did that. All right. So, so my, my, my point is this. When you see all that stuff, a lot of that stuff just fake. It's a big show. Now, if you come from that background, I'm not trying to offend you, but I'll just say this much. We're not going to go into the subject right now. Those gifts were for the apostles. And you are not one of them, and neither am I. You know why? Number one, if you're an apostle, you are a Jew. Number two, if you're an apostle, you're a man. Number three, if you're an apostle, you were there from the baptism of John until the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That rules all of us out. Okay? So, so uh, these were gifts, as Paul says, uh, get the gifts of an apostle were wrought among you. And so Jesus has these gifts. Now, why does he express them? Uh, well, number one, from a practical standpoint, he cares about people. But understand this much, what Jesus came to bring Israel, all right, was a kingdom. And that kingdom, if you study your Bible, is the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is not the same as the kingdom of God. There's overlap between them because uh, when the king is present on this earth, both are being offered. That much is, is the same. Uh, but but what, what makes them the same is the one that offers the kingdom, and that's Jesus Christ. But understand this much, when he came, he came to bring a physical kingdom, a literal kingdom on this earth. And by the way, it's been put on pause. It's not that it's not coming. It's not going to show up until way over here. Yeah. All right. Now, that said, when he comes to bring that kingdom, you know what goes along with that? Uh, physical signs. For a physical people waiting for a physical king to sit on a physical throne in a physical city. And so he expresses those gifts, and then he turns around in Mark 16 at the end of the, of the gospel, and he goes, look, uh, I'm going to give you these gifts as well so that when you go, you can confirm the word that you preach to Israel with these signs. All right? However, we now have something called a more sure word of prophecy. Amen. You say, what is that? It's the book in your lap, if you got the right one. And uh, a more sure word of prophecy, you know what that means? Now that the Bible is completed... And I've got it in my hands. I've got the scriptures. I don't need signs to prove what God said. All right. Now, now all that said, I want you to understand this is the ministry of Jesus Christ. It is technically uh, not New Testament until he dies. So you're still under the law, so to speak. And you're still uh, in that period where they can accept or reject the kingdom that he's offering. And so these, these gifts are being expressed and healing is one of them. Uh, look at verse 20. When he saw their faith, not even the man's faith. It was the faith of the four men that brought this man to the Lord, saw that the crowd was so big inside the house, hoisted this guy up on top of a roof, broke the hole in the roof, and then let him down. Now, everybody loves this story. He doesn't love the story like this. You put the guy down through the roof. Let me ask you a question. What if it's your house? <laughs> See, all you're like, oh, great story. Could someone do that at your house for the sake of Jesus Christ? Oh, no, 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 no. Now, 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 it had to be someone's house. Let me just say this much. Uh, the Bible talks about your body, listen to me carefully, your body being an earthly house. And if you want God to work in your life, sometimes he's got to move some things around and break some things up. 
And so you see this here in this passage, and he says this, uh, look at verse 20. And when he saw their faith, he said to him, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now, let me say this much. I love the fact that these men were creative. And I believe you ought to be creative. Listen, I, in, in business, you know, people do all kinds of things to sell a product. And it bothers me that the world will do that to sell a product. And Christians are like, well, I invited them to church and they didn't come. Be creative. Take them out to lunch. I, I mean, you know, uh, ask them what they're doing for Christmas. Oh, nothing. Great. I'll pick you up sat- Sunday night, uh, December 24th. You can come with me to candlelight service. Be, find, find a way to, to get people the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, they were creative in what they did, uh, and let me just say this as, as well in verse 20. It implies by what the Lord says. Now, I want to be careful with this because I don't want you to get the wrong impression. Not all health issues are related to someone's personal sins. Okay? Great example, Job. Great example, uh, the man in John chapter 9 where the disciples go, which man did sin, him or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, think that through. Which, who sinned, him or his parents? He was born blind. He couldn't have sinned when he was born. So think through that. So d- Christians say dumb things sometimes, amen? These are the disciples asking the Lord that question. And, so, and, and the Lord goes, neither. This was done for the glory of God. So, uh, Paul the apostle, he asked the Lord, would you take this thing away from me? Three times, Lord, would you take it away? Lord, would you take it away? Lord, would you take it away? And three times, you know what the Lord says? My grace is sufficient for thee. Now, now, let me say it like this. If that's the case, you know what that means? Not all sickness is sin, all right? However, I'll tell you this. You smoke too much weed, you'll, you'll fry some brain cells. And then you'll get saved, and, you'll, and I'm, not trying to be, I'm not trying to be funny. You'll be in church, and 20 minutes goes by, and you're like, what just happened? I know, a, I know a, a, someone that got saved after living an alcoholic's life, and they died of cirrhosis of the liver. Now, weren't they saved? I mean, God could have healed. Yeah, but see, there's some things you can do with your body that God gives you that don't go away the moment you get saved. Let me just remind you, your body's not saved until the rapture. So if you do stuff with the body that God gave you, there may be some repercussions from that, all right? I want to be clear, though, and say this. Again, I want to emphasize this. Not all sickness is because of sin. Don't look at someone that's got cancer, someone that's got this issue, that, oh, what, what are they doing in their life? What dark thing? No, sometimes it's just for the glory of God. Sometimes it's, it's a cross that God wants them to bear. I don't even always understand why certain people go through the things that they go through, but I can tell you this much, it's not always sin. But it would be a smart thing when you're going through something to stop and every once in a while just go, Lord, do I have anything to do with this? Because the way that the Lord responded to this man is, look, uh, listen, uh, this sickness is one that you have some responsibility in. Uh, look at uh, verse 20 again. Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And, and that, now, what is that? He's connecting the sickness with the sin. Look at uh, verse number 24. Uh, verse number 24. And the Jews and the scribes and the Pharisees have a hard time with this because the Lord says, thy sins are forgiven. And clearly, the Lord Jesus has the power to forgive sins. Aren't you glad for that? And he expressed that power on this earth. So now uh, the reason I'm going through this is because this man kind of goes to a very similar uh, situation. Look at verse 23. Whether it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say, rise up and walk. Uh, This man goes to a similar situation as the man in John chapter number 5. Look back, if you would, at John chapter 5 real quick. Look at verse number 8. Verse number 8. Now remember, he says, rise, take, and walk. 
Remember that. Remember those three things. If you're taking notes, I'd write that down. Rise, take, and walk. All right, he says rise up. That's, a, that's a, the initial act of obedience is get up. Now, remember when Jesus Christ is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he sweats great drops of blood. We're going to talk about that in the morning service. And after he did that, the Bible says he rose up. And I'm going to tell you right now, uh, I, I believe this. I believe the best way to, to, uh, to get through pressure in life is not for the pressure to go away, but for you to get through it. And, and you know what Jesus Christ did? He set the example. So what happens in that garden is, I mean, he's getting ready, the anguish of, of his soul, knowing the sin he's going to become, not just bear, but become, and the separation that will exist between him and the Father that was never there before. All of that culminating in that moment. And yet the Bible says after all that agony, after all that anguish and, and, and him sweating great drops of blood, this is actually a medical condition. We'll talk about it. The Bible says he rose up. And, and you say, what is that? Again, it's an act of obedience. So, so here we see Jesus Christ saying, rise uh, up, take up thy bed and walk. Uh, look, if you would, at uh, verse number eight, one more time, John chapter five, verse eight, rise, take up thy bed and walk. You say, what is that rise? That's, a, that's a, a new life coming from Jesus Christ speaking. Now, when you get saved, uh, look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Keep your hand there. When you get saved, you have a new life, and you are to walk in newness of that life. Uh, now, he says rise. You say, what is that? That's a picture of salvation. It, it's uh, the new man coming up. The old man is left down in the grave. The new man comes up, and he says, take up thy bed. And let me just say this much, and I, I just hit on it a second ago, but maybe from a different perspective. Uh, understand this. Um, Jesus Christ will wash away your soul, take away all the guilt. Isn't that a blessing? And, 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 and you have, uh, the Bible says all things will become new. But, but can I say this? Not all things become new in the flesh. Okay, for, for example, for example, all right, if you are going through, for example, a... Uh, a, a challenging situation at work, or you just lost your job, or you're about to lose your job, and you get saved that day, it doesn't mean that, the, it doesn't end like a Hallmark movie all the time, okay? It, it doesn't mean, oh, I get the job, and I get the girl, and I get the dog, and I get the house, and I get the truck, and I get it, uh, like the reverse of a country song, basically, <laughs> all right? It, it doesn't mean that, because salvation does not pertain, listen to me carefully, it does not pertain to the flesh. It is a spiritual transaction, and you are living in a physical world with physical circumstances, and listen to me, physical consequences that may last a lifetime. And so understand this much, when the Lord says, rise, take up thy bed and walk, question for you, if the Lord is powerful to see, to, to save the man, rise up, could he not just levitate the man up? All right, second question, could he not just, like, like automatically, like, you know, like, you know, like the, the, the bed itself kind of like folds up into the man's arms. I mean, the Lord, think about who you're thinking about, who we're talking about. He, the Bible says, let there be light and there's light. <laughs> that ball of fire that exists in the, in the sky out there, God, that's because of our God speaking into existence. And, and listen, that's why it's so important you take in the words of God. That's where you have life. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are what? Life. And, and so what you have to understand is this, when the Lord speaks, life can happen, all right? At the same time, he tells that man, take up thy bed. Why? I believe this. I believe it's a sign of personal accountability and personal responsibility. Yes, I've been healed, but I've made a mess. And maybe my mess has hurt other people. And maybe what they need to see is that I'm owning my mess. Are you listening? 
Because salvation doesn't, listen to me, it cleans up your soul. It doesn't clean up all the messes you've made. All right? Listen, if you get saved and you, you, you go down the wrong road as a Christian, you're going to have some baggage. You know what the Lord's going to say every once in a while? Hey, let's not stay down. Let's not, let's not get down the, in the filth and the mire of this world. Let's get back up. But son, I want you to pick up that bed. Amen. You know what I tell my kids first thing in the morning? You make your bed. The boys know. They don't leave the room until they make the bed. Emma knows. Now, it doesn't mean they, don't, they always do it right, but they know first thing in the morning, I make my bed. Why? Because that's, that's first. It's the, you slept in it, you messed it up. Listen, you've got two arms and two legs. Don't expect your mama when you're 8, 9, 10, 13 years old to come behind you. Let me make your bed. You can do this. If you're old enough to ask to go to the mall, you can make your bed. Okay? That's how I look at that. So, so the Lord looks at this man. He goes, I'm going to do for you, listen to me, what you can't do. But what I'm going to do, what I'm going to ask you to do is what you can do. You can't save yourself. Amen? Amen. But you can go to people you've hurt and say sorry. Amen. Look at John chapter number 11 real quick. I told you to Romans 6. We'll go back there. Don't worry. John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Is this making any sense? I think sometimes what happens when people first get saved is they think that, well, I'm saved now. So everything's going like, to just fall into place in my life. And you understand that that's not true. Well, listen, I don't know how to say this, but if you were lazy your whole life and you get saved, God doesn't automatically uh, make you someone that's industrious. Like if you were like, you know, the guy that's always late to work and doesn't put in all the effort and you never get promoted, salvation doesn't fix that unless you let it fix it. Unless you're willing to go, let me pick up my bed. And everywhere that guy went that day, I, I, I think he would look down at that bed and he'd go, yep, look at what God did for me. But I also think he'd look at that bed and go, I never want to go back there again. You see, that's why God asked him to pick up the bed. Look at John chapter number 11. And uh, you may know this, this passage of Scripture. I think uh, uh, many kids, when asked to quote a verse of the Bible and they get a freebie, they'll pick John eleven thirty five 35. <laughs> because it's a short one. Yeah. All right? Um, recently, one of our kids was talking to Brother Jose. Miss Dina, you might be able to tell the story better. And they said something like, oh, that's an easy verse. And Brother Jose said, okay, you can learn the longest verse in the Bible. And it was from the book of Esther. Do you know what I'm talking about? She's like, I don't even know. I learned about this, and it's this big, do you know what I'm talking about? Because <laughs> Lay's like, <laughs> I'm guessing it wasn't you. No, because you're laughing about it. See, that's good. Uh, but, but look at John 11, and, and notice something that happens here. This is the, the calling. Listen to me. That Jesus Christ speaks, and he says this, Lazarus, come forth. And from that, listen, life happens where there was death. Lazarus comes back to life. Now, he'd been dead for a couple days. As a matter of fact, we know that because it says, by this time, he stinketh. I mean, that's a great Bible verse for boys at summer camp. By this time, he stinketh. <laughs> All right, L look, if you would, at uh, verse number uh, 43. When he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now, why does he say Lazarus? You know what I think? I think if he just said, come forth, everyone's getting out of the grave. I think he says Lazarus because it's, it's, it's meant for Lazarus. And I'll tell you this, it also points to the fact that your God is personal. And there's a room of however many people are here, and I'm just going, you know what preaching's like? Preaching is like, uh, it isn't like, see, some of you think I'm like a sniper. Oh, yeah. I heard Steon say this yesterday. Boom, there he is. Yeah. 
And yeah, I know about that. They're getting boom. No, it's not. You know what it's more like? If you know anything about fire, it's like a shotgun. Boom. You don't know where it's going. <laughs> All right? I don't know, but God will take the word of God that's preached and the word of God that you read and go, that's for you. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with what? You know those grave clothes are a good picture of the old life. Everyone's got grave clothes. When you get saved, everyone, every one of us has something that kind of holds on a little bit. All right? And uh, you ever seen someone come back from the bathroom? They got toilet paper stuck to their, t- their shoe. And you're like, I don't even want to say anything. I'm just going to look away, you know? All right, listen, when you get saved, there's stuff that just kind of sticks. It kind of clings on. And you have to be, rec- you have to be cognizant of that. And, and understand this much. It's, it's, a pres- it's, it's a reminder of the old life, okay? Now, I'm going to ask this question. If, if Jesus is powerful enough to say, Lazarus, come forth and bring someone back from the dead, and we agree that he is, right? Amen. Could he also not just be like, Grave clothes, come off. And like, you know, it just automatically spins off. Could, could it not? Listen, this is the God. Listen to me carefully. That, that let's say you're a Christian and you get cremated. Everybody goes, oh, what happens in the rapture? Don't worry about it. The elements. He knows the elements down to the periodic table. He's got this. All right. When the rapture happens, you're going to go, you're going to get a new body, a glorious new body in the image of Jesus Christ. It is a miraculous thing that God does. If he's powerful enough to do that, could he also not just have the grave clothes automatically dissipate into thin air? The answer is yes. But notice what happens here in verse number 44. And, the, and he that was dead came forth, uh, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, loose him and let him go. You say, why? Because that's something they could do. You know what Jesus could do? Bring someone dead back to life. You know what they could do? Take off the grave clothes. You know what you're called to do as a Christian? You're called to help other Christians when they come back to life take off some of the grave clothes. All right? Now, now listen to me. I don't mean against their own free will. I think, I mean, if someone wants to live in the grave, that's their business. But when they come up and they're like, help me out. Do you think for a moment Lazarus was like, I think Lazarus was like, get this off of me. I mean, he had his mind back. He could speak and all that. I think he's like, help me out, guys. Help me out. Help me out. We got people that get saved, and God only knows the baggage they come in here with. It's our duty, and it's our privilege to help them take the grave clothes off. And we ought to be excited about the opportunity to do that. Well, it stinks. All of us stink without God. (laughs) It does stink a little bit, but you know what I've learned? Listen, it's so funny to me. I've learned this. (laughs) If I change my baby's diaper, I can deal with it. When it's your baby's diaper, God help you. I ain't touching it. Because your baby stinks worse than my baby. That's just how we are. Okay? And, and so my grave clothes aren't as bad as you. Yes, they, they all stink. They all stink. But my point is this. Go back to John, or go to Romans chapter 6. My point is this, is that, listen, after you get saved, you still have issues. And you've got issues of character. Listen, if you're used to, for example, the moment you're asked about a situation that may make you look bad in your entire life, you lied your way through those situations, after you get saved, it's still going to be maybe the thing you default to. And you have to go to the Bible and go, oh, speak the truth in love. Lie not one to another, right? You go through the scriptures and go, okay, Lord, I want you to get this out of my life. But, but it takes you saying, Lord, here are the grave clothes. Lord, here's the bed. And the Lord's going to say, you pick it up. As long as you're willing to pick it up, I'll help you take those steps. Look at Romans chapter 6. 
And notice the order. It's rise, take up your bed, and then walk. It's not out of order. You know what I think the problem is? Sometimes we as Christians want new converts to do. We want them to just start walking. Start producing. Let's get you busy. Let's go. And people don't need it. You know what they need first when they first come to church? Sit down and listen to the Word of God. I've had people come and say, Pastor, what can I do? And listen, if you're new around here, not because I think less of you, but because I love you so much, and I want you to have every opportunity to still be here a year, two years, five years from now. A lot of churches operate this way. You're willing, let's get you to work. That's not always right. Some people can't bear that burden right away. You know, it doesn't mean that you're, you're well, are you trying to say I'm weak? We're all weak without the Lord. We're all weak when we first start out. And so the idea is this, look, the Lord has an order to this thing, it's get up, let's pick up that mess that you made, and let's walk. Look at Romans chapter 6, and look at, when we talk about your walk with God, that's what we're talking about, it's a walk in what the Bible calls newness of life. Romans 6, look if you would at verse uh, number uh, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? We preached about that recently. God forbid. God does not want us to continue in that. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, not baptized into a local church, not baptized into membership at New Heights, baptized into Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, all right? That's a spiritual baptism. We're baptized into his death. Therefore, look at verse 4. We are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should what? There you go. So when he tells this man, rise, take up thy bed, and walk, it's not just to continue on the way that you were going. It's, hey, buddy, I've given you a chance. Don't blow it. Don't blow it. Now, I understand this. You're going to sin after you get saved. You're going to sin. You're going to mess up. Uh, But your attitude ought to be different about it. Your attitude shouldn't be, no one's going to tell me what to do. Right. You know what you're going to do? You're going to find yourself in the same mess you were in before you got saved. Yep. And you'll be saved, and you're still going to go to heaven when you die, but you're going to make a mess of everything down here. Yep. And you'll be useless for the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one's going to get saved as a result of your life. That's not how I want to go out of this place. I want something to show for my 30, 40, 50, however long God has me on this earth. I want something to show for it. All right? He says, take up your bed and walk. Uh, look at uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We've been going through this study. But I believe this. When he says... Take up your bed and walk. It's, it's akin to something that's very New Testament in nature. Not only walk in newness of life, which points to position, but walk in the footsteps of the gospel, which points to purpose. All right, one is your position. I am in Christ, and that doesn't change once I'm saved. But the other one can change on a day-to-day basis. Am I living according to my purpose or not? And the Bible says, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Everything in your life, your habits, what you watch, what you listen to, who your friends are, what you spend your time doing, where you put your money, the list goes on and on. All of that should be centered on the idea of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right? So as a result of that, look at Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse number uh, 15, talking about the whole armor of God. And we went through this in the series that we're doing on Wednesday nights. And your feet shod, that's like shoed, if you will. You got your shoes on. And I'm glad this morning that you all came with your shoes on. Amen. Amen. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, you know what that is? That's going out behind enemy lines with the, with the flag of peace and going, listen, God wants to bring you peace. You can accept it, you can reject it, but I'm here as an ambassador of Jesus Christ to tell you the good news of the gospel. 
So when he says, rise, take up your bed, and walk, it's not just go off and do your own thing. There's a purpose for it. Now that God's given you legs to stand on, do right with it. Take those feet and get them shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and go out in this world and tell people what Jesus Christ did for you. You know what someone said one time? Witnessing is one beggar telling another beggar where they can find bread. And he's the bread of life. Amen? Amen. And, and so go, go back to our main passage. Look at John, or John chapter 5. Excuse me. John chapter 5. We're talking about uh, this man that gets healed. And I want to point something else out while we got just a few minutes left. John chapter 5. And we did something very different this morning, all right? Uh, Brother Eric and I, we, we did something very different. You may not have realized it. We started on time. Amen. Amen. All right? That was uh, probably more Brother Eric's leaning than mine, all right? Uh, but uh, look at John chapter 5. You know what uh, time does? Uh, time causes pressure, and, uh, but it's a good kind of pressure. You got to get things in at a certain time. Uh, and so a preacher's always watching the clock. Uh, you may not think I watch a clock, but I, I do. Uh, John chapter 5, look if you would at verse number 9. Immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him that was cured, it is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. You know what Jesus says in Luke, you don't have to go there, but in Luke 14, you know what he says? How many of you guys, if your ox or your ass, that's a donkey in the Bible, your ox or your ass falls into a ditch, on the Sabbath day, which of you would just leave it there? You know what the problem was? They valued stuff and possessions more than they did people. Here they are, a man, okay, you did nothing for this man. Jesus healed him, gave him a new life, and you're like, you shouldn't be carrying your bed. It's the Sabbath day. And, and let me just say something, that pharisaical spirit, you do not want that in your heart. It is dangerous. It gets a hold of you, and man, it'll ruin you. But I want to point out, they talked about the Sabbath day. Uh, look at Exodus chapter number 20. I want to talk to you about this, Exodus chapter 20. Is the Sabbath something that we have to observe today? Uh, some would say yes, some would say no. Uh, let's go to the Bible for that answer. Uh, but let me just say this much. The Sabbath uh, is, I believe, the fourth commandment. I'm not sure if I'm right about that. Someone tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, but, but that said, it's given there in Exodus chapter number 20, all right? When they are exiting, all right, I had a young man tell me, I'm exited to come to church. I said, no, you're not. You're excited to come to church, all right? But when you exit a place, all right, the exit sign there, exodus. You know what they're doing? They're exiting Egypt. They're leaving Egypt, all right? So when they do that, you know what God does? God gives them his holy law. And one of those commandments is, in fact, the commandment to observe the Sabbath. Uh, but the question is this, and we learned this in how to study the Bible, context is very important. And the context of Scripture would require us to ask, who is talking, who are they talking to, and where does this take place in time, what are they talking about? Look at Exodus chapter 20, and we'll answer those questions. It's God talking. And God's talking to Moses, and the Bible says in John chapter 1 that uh, by Moses came the law, and grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So the covenant of the Old Testament comes through Moses, God's chosen man for the job. And, uh, and he's talking to Moses so that Moses can repeat these words to who? To what nation? Israel. All right, so God gives the law to Moses, and he goes, okay, telephone, you take it down there, and you tell them what I told you. Uh, look at verse number 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. All right, look at Ezekiel chapter 20. Now, uh, don't have all the time to look at all the scriptures, but basically... 
what I can tell you is this, uh, the Sabbath is a day of rest, all right? Now, there are other Sabbaths that take place during feasts that are not on Saturday. I want to make that clear. Uh, but generally speaking, the Sabbath day is something that if you go back to Genesis, all right, God took that rest on that seventh day. Now, I'll give you this from a practical standpoint. There is, there's nothing wrong about having a day where you slow things down for the sake of recuperation and rest and, 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 and your mind being restored. If you go, 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 and you never have any rest at all, you're eventually going to break down. So there's a principle there of slowing down periodically and resting. All right. However, I want to say this. If you put a gun to my head and say, preacher, do I have to observe the Sabbath as a New Testament Christian? The answer is no, you do not. The Puritans, uh, when they came, I'm thankful for the Puritans, thankful for the, the pilgrims that came. And if you're not thankful, then, you know, sorry, but you ought to be. Uh, if it wasn't for someone coming here, none of us would be here now. So uh, that said, the Puritans, as much as I appreciate them, uh, they believed in something called covenant theology. And covenant theology is akin to what we would call reform theology. And what it is, is uh, basically uh, someone that, that uh, failed their Catholic classes. It's a reformed, uh, uh, that's, a, that's a Lutheran, that's a uh, you know, Presbyterian. Uh, they, many of them hold on to covenant theology, which basically means this, the church replaces Israel. So if the church replaces Israel and they had a Sabbath, then we have to have one too. And our Sabbath is now Sunday. The problem is that none of that's in the scriptures. None of that's there at all. I believe Sunday's special because Jesus rose from the dead. I believe Sunday's special because that's when they gathered as a local church in the book of Acts. I could go on and on about why I think Sunday is special. Uh, namely, I believe it because of this. Uh, Sunday, for those musicians in here, is the octave. It's the next octave up. You got seven days in the week. What's Sunday? It's that reset. All right? So you know what that's a picture of? It's a picture of eternity. All right, you got one day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Uh, this, this last thousand years, all right, uh, comes after that sixth day, and you go into the seventh day. You say, what's that thousand years? It's a period of, re- uh, of Jesus Christ reigning on the earth and rest, all right? So it's a picture of something, but, but let me just show you from the Old Testament standpoint. It's very clear that the Sabbath was not for us. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Look at Ezekiel chapter 20. And look, if you would, at verse number 20, uh, verse 19. I'm the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. And hallow my Sabbaths, and they shall be a sign between me and you. That you may now look. If someone just says, see that? It's a sign between us and the Lord. Who's talking? God. Who is he talking to? Look at verse 1. Look at verse 1. What does it say? What nation is mentioned there? Not the church. The church isn't there yet, guys. This is Old Testament. God gives the Sabbath as a covenant between himself and the nation of Israel. All right? That's not you. The Bible talks about Jews and Gentiles in the church of God. We're in the church of God. Therefore, we are not under the law. The Bible says there was a, Look at uh, uh, Colossians chapter 2 real quick. Colossians 2. We're going to kind of skip ahead some of this. Look at Colossians chapter 2. The Pharisees definitely took it too far, and we'll maybe look at that next week, but I want to show you something real quick, and we'll wrap it up. Colossians chapter 2, Colossians 2, look if you would at verse uh, number, let's go to verse number 14. Blotting out the handwriting, you say, what is that? That's the law. The handwriting of ordinances. 
uh, when you get in trouble with the policeman, they'll, they'll sometimes citate, they'll cite uh, a certain ordinance that you're breaking, right? An ordinance is, is connected with the law. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was what? Against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his what? He took it out of the way, guys. Uh, not for you to continue to live in, all right? In other words, and nothing wrong with taking a break. Nothing wrong with taking a day off. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is this. Uh, observing it under the Old Testament law as a form of righteousness in your life, that no longer is there. Why? Jesus Christ took care of that on the cross. All right? That is no longer for the New Testament Christian. That was what we call Old Testament. Uh, look, at, look at this. Look at verse number uh, 16. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the what? Sabbath days. All right. So in other words, you're not under that anymore. You're free from that. But notice what he says in verse 17. What is the Sabbath day? It is the shadow of things what? To come. All right. You say, what is it? Right over here. It's a picture of rest. It's a picture of, of Jesus Christ being in harmony with his creation. And we haven't seen that in 6,000 years, but it's coming. It's coming. All right, so it's a shadow of that. All right, who is it for? It's for Israel. Why does he give it? As a covenant and as a shadow of things to come. All right, uh, when was it in place? Under the Old Testament. And you're going to see that kind of come back into place during the, the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. All right, but again, that's not for you. Now, I'll say this in closing. The Pharisees were sticklers about the law. They would observe it to the letter of the law. However, they would ignore their own hypocrisies. And they would say, you can't do that. And they try to cast Jesus in him healing people and bettering their lives and freeing them from oppression of sin. They looked at that and said, that's a work. How is that a work of labor? You know what that is? That's God working, and you don't get to tell God if it's right or not. All right? And so I'll just say this in closing. What they did is, listen to me, this is an important lesson for you as a Christian. They made a God out of a standard. Listen to me carefully. Standards are needed. Some of you need more of them. All right? But I'll say this. When you get them, remember this. All right? They're not God. Those standards are there to help you in your walk with God. When you start walking around telling everybody else what they need to do, that's when you get into trouble. And you don't want to be on the side of the Pharisees. Trust me. All right. We're, uh, I'll take it to one more. No, we're out of time. I'll just say this. Uh, we'll look at the Pharisees next week, and we'll delve into this whole Sabbath thing a little bit more. But let's stand up. Let's have a word of prayer. And, uh, man, that, that clock is getting further and further behind. Uh, l yesterday, we had uh, Johnny get on Joey's shoulders to fix the net. I might need you to do that today to fix the clock, all right? Uh, let's, uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for the Sunday School Hour, the opportunity to learn your word. God, I pray you'd help us to uh, not just hear it, Lord, help us to take it in, Lord, to receive it, and then, Lord, to apply it. Lord, I pray that every Christian here would learn to rise up, Lord, to take up their bed and to walk and to, to uh, take the gospel out there. It's a, a truly a dying world. You can see, Lord, uh, the despair, Lord, the hopelessness, Lord, uh, uh, no idea of what's ahead. Lord, I pray you'd help us to go out and make a difference for you this week. Lord, I love you, and I pray you bless the hour to come. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We'll take a break there. Brother Eric, we'll start at 5 after.